by volunteering for this kids camp uh, uh, during sort of after coming out of university uh, and before really meeting Sam, um, I got to go to the island of Bermuda um, and there was a kids camp there run by all the churches and I got to go to it. It was like on this uh, half military island um, which had like sort of runways and stuff and then the other side it was just full of raucous church kids who are the worst if you ask me um, and so I got got to go there uh, and it was fantastic I was sunburnt permanently I've got no ability uh, uh, to stay out in the sun and it's got at uh, one end it's got like the armoured castle that looks over uh, uh, the, the one end it's got these pinks uh, sand beaches which are beautiful and all the rich and the famous enjoy uh it lets you hire out mopeds um which was incredible i don't think i had a driving license at the time and uh i just ripped around uh um like on the paths and everything else um hopefully they've upped the uh um conduct on mopeds uh, so it's less dangerous and they have fish for breakfast which um, I like breakfast, but I really struggled having like fried fish for breakfast. Um, but that, but that's, that was kind of the, the culture. Anyway, so we were staying with this family, this uh, um, sort of important church family, um, and we got to stay there like a palace of a house. Um, and they said, oh, we want to show you like this festival we've got. And so we went across the water. We were on this old military boat. So the military had sold the church, this boat, and it was a dog of a boat. It was slow. It was ugly. Uh, and it was called the Hallelujah. Um, so it was really ugly. And then it had Hallelujah sort of uh, penciled on the side. Um, loved that. And so we would sort of chug into the, uh, the dock um, of the capital city, which is Hamilton. And as we went there, you could see the glow. So it was at night time, the glow of uh, the dock, you know, where, where people were. And you were expecting that. And suddenly you could hear the hum of the crowd. And even far off, you could hear the raucous noising and shouts. And then you could also hear the exciting uh, beat of the drums and suddenly your anticipation belt. And so we docked and went in. Uh, one of the guys that docked managed to scam 50 quid off me. I'm not quite sure how he did it. Uh, um, but um, and they tried to make him give it back, but he didn't. So uh, watch out for the dockers in Hamilton. And uh, uh, so we got off this old military boat and uh, went into the city of Hamilton. Now, the, this area of Hamilton that we went to, it was uh, like the business district. So there was lots of ATMs and sort of reasonably sized buildings. It was very smart. And if you went there during the day and we'd been there the day before, it was all very somber and polite and people wore suits and then they have shorts. It's quite funny to see the sort of different culture uh, in their heat. Um, so they wore suits and ties. And then you had their shorts and their like pulled up socks. Uh, but now it was a completely different uh, scene. The whole scene was transformed. There was this large procession of gombe dancers. So this is a gombe dancer uh, in Hamilton. Um, and it was a massive procession of these guys. And they were absolutely uh, crazy. It was a barrage of colours. Basically, if you could think of a colour, they'd managed to stitch it onto the uniform. They had these very tall hats type mask things which sort of waved around uh, in the sky and there was no order they just like took over the road and pavement suddenly this business district was transformed into something else the music um, and you can look it up on YouTube uh, though not now 
Um, you can look it up on YouTube, and it's fast and furious music, and the drumming uh, uh, going on, and the dancers are dancing furiously. They've practiced for it. They've got their own moves, um, and uh, some of the kids would practice them during the camp that we did. And there was a real festival atmosphere. Suddenly, the streets were taken over by the people. And then you have like these whistles being blown, like some sort of 80s rave. Hands were clapping. Uh, the civilians uh, would join in, and you could start apart from the costumes you couldn't tell who was supposed to be leading it and who was supposed to be uh, the crowd and the children they didn't care and they just joined in and went in and out and it was a really uh, wonderful atmosphere and it's impossible when all this drama is going on all this light and sound uh, you're being submerged in, it's possible not to laugh and smile it's impossible not to uh, suddenly be transformed from this business district into something that's come alive with music and fun and joy. This morning we celebrate Palm Sunday and it's Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and I want us to see it this morning as a folk festival. I want us to see it as that sort of gombe dancers in the street in Hamilton. If you've got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter uh, 19. If you've got one of these pew Bibles, it's uh, page 1054. And it says this in verse 28. And so Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. This is where he was going to die. He was going to be crucified. He was going to be executed by his enemies. And as Jesus approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Um, if anyone asks you why you're untying it, say the Lord needs it. I'm not sure that would satisfy many Bubish residents if you tried to nick their uh, motorbike or car saying that, but uh, apparently it worked in this instance. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they were untying it, the angry owners, it doesn't say angry, but I can imagine them being slightly irate. Its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. And hopefully the host spirit spoke to them and go, okay, rather than uh, try and get it back. And so they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along the road, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Everyone say, Blessed. blessed. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Everyone say glory. glory. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Keep them quiet. What is this undignified procession? That's my sort of added bit there. And I tell you, Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. This was no religious ceremony. I don't know if you've ever seen a religious ceremony on the TV, like a coronation or a royal wedding or something else. There was no risk assessments. 
There was no careful choreography of when someone should go somewhere. There were no health and safety plans. And there was no feeling of sense of obligation and duty. I don't know why you're here this morning. Some of you think you might get into heaven if you turn up to church. And I'm sad to say that's wrong. Uh, but uh, we can feel that sense of religious duty. You know, do what someone else in authority says. There's none of that. This is an organic folk festival to celebrate Jesus. There's no organizers. There's no one with a clipboard going, you need to stand there and you need to say this. They're saying what's on their hearts. There's no police to make sure that they can't go this way or that. There are no priests. Can you imagine? No pastors, no one in charge. These guys are just doing what is full of their heart and there's nothing to dampen the heightened spirits. They just get to play in the presence of Jesus. And so it was spontaneous and these shouts were unrehearsed and there was dancing and singing and it would have been full of delight and hope. This was something that would just came out of the fullness of their hearts. And so you can imagine the crowd jostling for position. They all want to see Jesus. They all want to make sure he sees his, his face. And uh, apparently in other accounts we find palms being waved, trees being ripped up and waved and all the uh, agricultural and gardeners will be irate because they're ruining the hedgerows and they'll be waving these palms and the clothes that they had, the best clothes that they had, laying them on the floor and this flipping donkey treading all over them. But it was supposed to be this carpet, this red carpet of honouring. And uh, probably the donkey was braying in with the shouts and everything else that was going on. And it doesn't mention kids, but kids uh, get everywhere, don't they? Where, however much you try and shut them out, they come right back in. You know, if we could make an adult-only church, it would be a lot quieter and a lot more orderly. Uh, but um, I can bet your uh, bottom dollar that kids were in all this, running in amongst each other's legs, uh, uh, nicking palms from each other, giggling and playing and getting in the way and making this folk festival even more chaotic and enjoyable. And I hope as we sense this, we can get a sense of the drama, of the excitement, of the volume and sheer spectacle of the whole event. So, um, where I work, we have, uh, used to have these uh, old Renault vans. Now, I love uh, French cars, got a soft spot in my heart for them, but these Renault vans were a right dog, I can tell you. They were always breaking down. They had these sliding doors and they would always uh, stick open and then they would never shut properly and uh, they were a nightmare. The batteries were always going dead and um, the electrics, I don't know if you've ever had a French car, but that was sort of a few years ago, but they're absolute nightmare. Always blowing fuses and breaking. Now, um, uh, uh, even though I have an affection for French vehicles, uh, you know, even I hated these uh, vehicles. And they were universally despised by everyone that I worked with. And they were mocked as the Pope mobiles. We had a few of them. We had like a whole thing. And they were oh, they're flipping Pope mobiles broken again. Uh, and I had to try and uh, sort of work out how to fix it. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know uh, what a Pope mobile is, but it's the, uh, the stately vehicle, the leader of the Roman Catholic 
church rides in. Um, there's a few of them. If you go on sort of Google Images, there's a whole array of them. So he's got one for different terrains and different societies, I think. Um, uh, this one yeah, is one. It looks like sort of the FBI accompanying it. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've uh, uh, seen one of these before, but there's uh, a sense of occasion that comes with the Pope Mobile. Uh, no one else can get too close, but you can see the Holy Father sitting upright. Uh, and uh, so you can go, oh, I've seen him uh, in the crowd. And uh, um, this impression of occasion is uh, ramped up by the fact uh, it's all got bulletproof grass. So if anyone's thinking I'm not too keen on this guy, he's okay because it's all bulletproof grass and the snipers on the hill can't get him. Um, and I don't know, but this is a, a feature of cars elsewhere. These Pope-mobile uh, characteristics can often be found in the transport of the rich and the famous. They are conspicuous and they are safe like these uh, large uh, sort of Range Rovers and SUVs that even sort of uh, mums in Bubish like to drive their uh, precious little ones to school in. There's, a, there's that sense of uh, stay back, I'm important and my little one's going to be safe. Um, and you get it everything from Hannibal riding elephants to our own queen in her custom Rolls Royce. There's that sense of I am coming through, look how important I am, and uh, I am kept safe, nestled uh, in the uh, um, sort of calf leather seats. As we think on that, I wonder what we think of Jesus' choice for transport. He could have asked for a good stallion, a horse of excellent pedigree, but he asks very deliberately very specifically for this donkey. He asks for, like, the uh, uh, offspring of a donkey. And it's a small animal. Others can get close. You know, you, you can't keep on someone's arm's length when you're riding a donkey. I don't know if you've ever done it on the beach, uh, like at Blackpool or something. People can get close. People can hug you and do violence to you. Next we find, and I don't know why other people don't make a big deal of this, this donkey's not been broken for riding it. Did you notice that? This donkey is new to the game of carrying someone. Can you imagine? Like, So Jesus is this great historical figure, this wonderful religious leader, and he chooses a donkey that no one's ever ridden before. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm imagining that a donkey that's never had someone ride him would be a little perturbed at suddenly having to carry a full-grown man straight off the bat. And so we're probably talking about a donkey that's a little wild and a little wayward, that sees something nice over there, and it doesn't matter how much Jesus is trying to move it, it goes in the other direction. It probably brays at inopportune moments and is a little wild and wayward. And so suddenly this dignified spiritual leader of great importance who we've worshipped for 2,000 years suddenly becomes a little bit less respectful, a little bit uh, less important. Who's this clown riding on this flipping donkey? What on earth is going on? And we find not only is Jesus dry, uh, riding a young donkey that no one's ever ridden before, but he has to borrow it. He can't even afford his own donkey. And we find Jesus 
this spiritual leader that we uh, amplify and exalt and make a great deal of and stained glasses, I mean, with robes and sort of scepters in his hands. And this, uh, we find almost a comical figure riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And it's not even his donkey because he hasn't got any possessions. He's poor. This is Saviour. This is our Lord. It seems contrary to some of the pictures that we're presented with elsewhere. This one that we call Saviour, that we believe in for our salvation, he beats sin and death, not with a fist and a shout, not with aggression and power, not with significance and wealth, but he does it with gentleness and love. And perhaps a slight tinge of ridiculousness. His life and death is full of humility. He could be touched by anyone and he leaned into that. He was traveling one day along to uh, uh, um, heal someone and this woman who had been suffering for years and years with some uh, unknown bleeding. Uh, she touched him and wrestled him and he healed her too. He leaned into the fact that he was accessible, that he was one of the people, that he walked with them, that he was not some sort of top-down sort of religious ruler who you've got to do what he says. He walked with the people. He was in amongst them. He was humble and gentle and loving. If we don't know Jesus... I'll say as our saviour, this is a picture of an invitation. You can come close to him. You can talk to him. You can read about him. And you will find that he will not be angry and severe. That he is not some sort of pompous, religious, sanctimonious uh, guy. But he is tender and kind and knows what it is to be human even in the midst of all our baggage all our uh, uh, stuff that weighs us down that we struggle with all the stuff that's made us never think about religion before in the middle of all the stresses that just uh, causes grief and anguish Jesus goes yes reach out to me I'm here I'm someone that wants to know you and if we are already friends with Jesus I want us to remember his lowliness he chose a donkey so let me encourage you Jesus is not an unapproachable sort of cardinal that you have to book uh, time with and you might get five minutes he doesn't look down his nose at you he doesn't frown and touch all the bad things that you've done he wants you to know him he wants you to keep approaching him he wants you to keep coming back to him even though uh, we keep doing stuff that uh, um, is wrong I want us to keep praying Keep asking forgiveness. It says that we need to do that as part of the Lord's Prayer. Keep asking for forgiveness. Yes, you failed him. Yes, you've done wrong. But keep coming back. And keep depending on his grace.
Because that is the thing that brings eternal life. Not church attendance, not a clean mouth, not a lack of addiction, not um, a lifestyle that's beautiful and Mother Teresa-like, but it is the grace of God. And as our picture of Jesus becomes more real, more true to life, more like the man on the donkey than the man on the stained glass windows, let us not be obsessed with our own importance. Let us not put up shields against others. That's one of the reasons why church is so good. Because you are thrust together with all sorts of people you never asked to spend a Sunday morning with. But you come here with the opportunity to share, to be good, to say, how was your week? Rather than uh, offload all the things that make you angry and all the frustrations you've endured. We put up with other people rather than put up our shields against them. And we start that in church and then we carry that into the world out large. And so the invitation is that we should have time for other people. That we are available to the struggling. That we may speak loving words and words that bring people in rather than shut them out. So this is my last point as we go in. And so Jesus descends this Mount of Olives. And as you descend the Mount of Olives, you can see Jerusalem ahead. And you can see the, the vista of the city and the temple uh, before it was uh, destroyed in, uh, um, in the sort of 72 AD. And things escalate. This clown on a donkey sees some other things happen. This man trying to laughingly control some sort of cult that has never been ridden before is suddenly surrounded. This Jesus that has done so kind things, that has inspired joy and delight in lots of people, all those people suddenly come in. It's like some sort of flash mob. They're full of emotion, full of delight, full of joy, full of excitement. This is the Jesus that they know. They've walked with him for three years. They have seen him do amazing healings. He, they have seen them reach out to tax collectors. Everyone hates tax collectors. You know, we think uh, uh, state agents and politicians are the lowest of the low. Well, in this culture, uh, tax collectors were even worse than them. And Jesus reached out and said, you know what, I'm going to call you friend. He went amongst the, everyone from the prostitutes to the fathers and mothers to the uh, occupying forces um, of the Romans. All these people that everyone had rules against and said, yeah, we don't mix with those. We don't like them. Uh, they're not one of our kind. And Jesus went out to all of them. And so suddenly this flash mob comes in and they are filled with joy. They are filled with laughter. They are full of song. And their precious clothing, you know, their most expensive super dry coat, their most precious Gucci t-shirt, they lay on the floor. And this donkey, and donkeys aren't clean, are they? Probably uh, uh, had a dump on one or two cloaks as it went through. And, uh, but it was a red carpet of celebration. It was a red carpet of, Jesus, you are what we think 
it really looks like to be spiritual. Forget these people with their sense of occasion, with their robes, with their gold chains, with their frowning, disapproving looks. This is what religion is truly about. And now the air reverberates with shouts and songs, not practice ones. They haven't got a choir up the front with a guy with a mic and a guitar. This is just the mob saying, you are awesome, Jesus. We want to lift you up. Now, uh, in other places, there's probably uh, um, a picture painted of a musical choir. You know, you've got uh, uh, church leaders who are really musical and great. But I like to think of this not less as a musical choir, less of a songs of praise, and more like a football uh, uh, mob, more like a football match where these guys are just saying, hallelujah, and the volume raises. And these guys, you know, they've got no musical training but they know someone that they love and this is Jesus and so they shout we love you, you are great king, 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 hallelujah and the air is filled with these words as blessed is the king, peace in heaven all these optimistic upbeat uh, passages out of nowhere this festival of music, this festival of colours, this festival of people brightens up a hillside. It was drab and dusty. People had to go up and down there on their daily chores, but now it was something else. Now it was a scene of celebration. Now it was a scene of festival time. Now it was a scene of welcoming someone who was shown what it is to be religious, who had shown what it was to be spiritual in a way that no one has ever done and no one will ever do. He was this perfect human and all these guys just wanted to lift him up and and celebrate him and it's this glorious transformation of something that was dusty and ordinary and monotonous to something lifting it would have been impossible to be part of that mob without your heart lifting up and going who is this Jesus that everyone is so excited about if you've ever turned up on this place you know it's been raining your kids have been absolutely abominable. You've been wondering whether you can sort of uh, leave them outside open house for them to look after them for a little while. And you come here and your boss has been really wretched to you. Uh, you know, they've missed your, your money payments again. And, uh, uh, you know, your dishwasher's broken. I don't know what it is about appliances, but there's nothing like a, a broken washing machine or dishwasher that just really gets under my skin. And then you come here and you're like well I'm just gonna make it through this hour and a half and then I'm gonna be very happy to go home and then we sing and then you meet with other Christians and they're singing too and you know what uh, uh, there are uh, people with sickness and illness and you know that their home situations are a nightmare you know that broken washing machines are the last of their troubles and they come here and suddenly their voices sing and we may not be the most wonderfully accomplished musical congregation but we sing with our hearts and we lift up our hands and suddenly all those situations all those circumstances all those stuff that gets us down they sort of fade away and we come into this place and go, you know what? It's been really good to recenter myself on you, Jesus. It's really good to suddenly find out this is what it's all about. You know, washing machines come and go, but the peace of the Lord just transcends everything. Uh, that's not in any Psalms or Proverbs. I've made that wonderful illustration up myself. Um, 
And, and so you have this glorious transformation and it happens here almost every Sunday that you come here down in the dumps and miserable because of what's gone on and then things change as you sing about Jesus and you focus on him rather than all your issues. And so as we reflect on this triumphal entry, I want to focus on this street revolution. A man riding a donkey is nothing. It's nothing important, nothing noteworthy. But this Christian festival for this man on the donkey makes everyone stop and turn. Everyone stop what they're doing and look in and go, what on earth are these Christian guys doing? There's no divine fireworks. Jesus is not going kapow and healing all the lepers on the front row. Jesus is not going zoom and walking on water and doing all incredible miracles. He is a ridiculous figure on a donkey coming into a city that will kill him in a few days. But the Christians are going, this is the culmination of humanity. This is what we've longed for. This is what humanity will enjoy for 2,000 years. Last slide. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to finish with this. So it's page 969. It says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Everyone say light. Light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp. And Jesus has just been absolutely ridiculous here. He's got a sense of humour. And he goes, neither do people put a lamp and put it under a bowl. That's ridiculous. If you light something, you let it shine. You don't hide it. And Jesus says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. Say everyone. Everyone Everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Everyone say shine. Shine. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Everyone say deeds. deeds. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When there is only darkness... People stumble, they get hurt, they get lost, they uh, struggle with everything. And when the light comes, everything is visible. Obstacles can be stepped over, a direction can be found, a life can suddenly be lived. Today, Jesus doesn't physically uh, ride among us on a donkey, but he does live in the hearts of believers. If we let him. He will direct our thoughts and actions so that we are like him, so that we love others rather than are like the Grinch, so that we are kind and serve others rather than some selfish, bombastic, hateful character, so that we are generous and kind and good to other people. And when we act like this, When we try and do good to our neighbours, and I am talking about 
from personal experience, those neighbours that keep you up till three o'clock playing very loud music on a Saturday night, so suddenly Sunday morning comes around far too quickly. I am talking about those neighbours on the other side um, that are too particular about garden fences and have a moan at you when yours isn't perfect. I am talking about the people that rub you up the wrong way. When you are nice to them and kind to them, when you are generous to them, you are a light in a dark place because they do not expect that. They know that uh, it's an eye and for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that if you are bad to them, they will be bad to you and vice versa. They know that that's how the world runs. And when we are counter to that, when we don't give uh, evil for evil, we become a light, we become a different uh, voice in the darkness, we become a light to where there is only wretched uh, uh, selfishness. And we shine with piercing rays into the present. And suddenly those who thought the only solution to uh, being hit was to hit back, suddenly they realise there is a different way forward. Suddenly when we shine brightly, we the people in the darkness realise there's a chance and a choice to live differently, that there is another way of doing things, that the way they were brought up, the way their parents showed them and their grandparents showed them, the way that culture resonates, suddenly there's a different way. And it's his Jesus way. And so suddenly our joy is their remedy. Suddenly our service is their signpost. And suddenly our generosity is their insight into another kingdom. Friends, we have Holy Week in front of us. And so I want to encourage you as we look at Jesus going into Jerusalem that we can be the party in the street. We can be the light in the dark. And we can be the city on the hill as we let our good, die, good deeds shine. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, what a ridiculous scene this was for you to choose a donkey to ride into the capital city. And yet we find here so many truths about our faith, so many truths about our Saviour, so many truths about ourselves. Lord God, I pray that we would see you for the humble king you are, for the serving Lord that you are, that Lord God, that we would trust in you with everything that we have. And Lord God, I pray that as we move forward into the week ahead, Lord God, as all the uh, dramas and stresses of work and family uh, and domestic situation assail us, Lord God, I pray that we would be light and salt, that we would be a city on a hill, that our good deeds would shine forth, that our resistance to paying back evil for evil uh, uh, would fall away, and that we would be like this humble, loving man on a donkey. Lord God, I pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.